Before we get to our guest, I wanted to talk to you about something that's really important to me, which is privacy. Moving money around, moving information, sending messages in today's world with Web 3.0 coming down the pike, privacy is very critical, especially to a journalist like myself. Utopia P2P is a complete privacy ecosystem. It's a 360 degree approach to privacy. It includes everything you need to move information or value around the world. It includes a encrypted messenger service, an email platform, and cryptocurrency payment system. It's fully decentralized, so it's not on any main server. It's based on blockchain, so it's distributed. It has an unmatched level of security. It has a feature-rich toolkit on the system uh, that supports 28 languages. There's a very low barrier to entry, and it also supports Bitcoin and also their coin internally. So if you're looking for a way to move information and money around the world where you don't want prying eyes uh, looking at what you're doing, go to Utopia P2P and have complete privacy on their system. And now let's get to our guest. So today on American Conversations, we have Jay Collins, who's a U.S. Army Green Beret vet, and he's also a Purple Heart amputee. Uh, and first of all, thank you, Jay, for your service. You know, and, and, and Todd, as you know, is uh, was with the Air Force. And Todd, thank you for your service. And I guess we're getting very serious about, you know, what, what's going on, especially with the number of um, veterans that are running and taking the t raising their voices for the 2022 right. campaign. But, Jay, we wanted to have you on in light of, you know, the, the, everything that's going on in Russia and in Ukraine. And I noticed in doing some research in preparation for this interview, you said Kremlin does not call the shots on the world and that you were running for Congress in the 14th district as a Republican in the Tampa area of Florida because you wanted to restore what President Biden didn't have, which is patriotism, valor, and strength. Explain right. that in the context of what's happening with Russia and with Ukraine right now that has expanded broadly across the world. Well, unfortunately, and first of all, Christine, uh, thank you for having me on. Todd, good to see you again. I uh, appreciate yes. the opportunity. And uh, it was my privilege to serve. I loved every moment of it. So what's going on here is a direct reflection of what happened in Afghanistan. You know, you and I have spoken uh, pretty in depth about the, the misgivings and the failures in that, that country. When you project weakness on the world stage like we did in Afghanistan, you create a vacuum. And in that vacuum, something always steps up. And in this, in this case, unfortunately, Russia, China, Iran are, are willing to step up, right? When you uh, fail to walk softly and carry a big stick, think uh, TR, big stick diplomacy, right? The world takes advantage of that. Putin is, uh, is intelligent. He's a former KGB agent. And you see what's happening uh, directly because of that. When you abandon our allies, uh, leave people behind, billions of dollars of equipment, uh, the world takes notice. It's hard to take that type of uh, lack of leadership serious. And uh, what you see on the world stage is the direct reflection. And secondary to that, to think that uh, Russia and China aren't colluding and working together against us and to uh, openly say that's not the case. I mean, come on, guys. Uh, my, my children know better than that. And they're six and nine. And Todd, you've always said that our biggest enemy right now happens to be China. Mm-hmm. Completely. I, I think Russia is a threat to its near abroad uh, and to certain parts of Europe and maybe the stands. But I don't think they threaten the U.S. existentially, except if we get into some type of nuclear conflict, which is obviously they have the most warheads than anyone. But uh, China is actually literally trying to destroy the country. They launched a bioweapon on us. They killed a, a million Americans already. 
So, uh, you know, people need to realize who the real threat is at this point. Well, that, that's right. Yeah, Todd, you make a, a very good point, right? This is a bigger picture. We, we have to understand the depth and breadth of this. We have to be strategic. We have to be thought out, right? Uh, the Russians' army uh, on paper is big, but it's a bit of a paper tiger, right? Logistically, they don't have the sustainability. They don't have the backing mm -hmm. when it comes to cash, right, to make this happen. They can't that's project why, power. That's right. That's why you mm -hmm. see them doing the approach they are, right, running mm -hmm. through, uh, not securing things, and just hoping mm -hmm. they can push all the way through and hold ground rapidly and, mm -hmm. and squelch any, any pushback. But you know who's watching this? It is China, right? Taiwan is, is very much uh, sitting back watching what's going on and how the U.S. reacts to this. Uh, obviously, we should have had sanctions much, much sooner. It takes months for those to happen. And we have to reject power. And, uh, you know, Lord willing, we can start doing that. Well, I don't understand. And, and gentlemen, if you can just add your thoughts to this. Um, my understanding is that the U.S. had the intelligence that uh, Putin was going to invade that they passed on the intelligence to the Chinese and that when Putin and Xi met, uh, you know, I think it was either right before the beginning of the Olympics in, in Beijing, that that information was passed on from Xi to Putin, that the U.S. had the intelligence. So, but, and then Xi basically had said to Putin, you know, don't do it until after the Olympic games. What was the point? Well, it's a clown show in the White House. I mean, I've said many times, Biden is literally working for China. He's, he's, he is uh, compromised by the Chinese Communist Party. Him and his family have been paid billions with a B from China. So uh, they will not do anything. I mean, look at the links they're going to against Russia, where, as I've said, China has several million people in, in concentration camps. They're committing genocide. They killed a million Americans. They're committing biological warfare. Uh, the not, you don't hear a peep out of the White House. So I think Biden is compromised and in many ways working for the Chinese. So I've said it before, we have to get rid of this regime in the White House so we can have a secure uh, country and effective national security strategy. Well, and, and Todd, what you're talking about is, is just that collusion we're talking about, right? To mm -hmm. think that China, mm -hmm. Russia, historic partners aren't working together is, is come on, guys. Again, my six and nine-year-old mm -hmm. better than that, right? Uh, of mm -hmm. course, they want to rush it away, right? The Olympics bring in money, bring in revenue, and it allows Ch Chinese people to uh, paint a picture the way they want it to be. They are masters in PR, right? PR gimmicks and PR games and pushing their agenda. This is a, a thousand-year war to them. It always has been. We understand mm -hmm. that. We know that by studying history. Uh, it's it, This isn't complicated. If you follow kind of the intel pattern of what uh, Putin was doing, I know a lot of the media folks we're openly discussing, almost giving us a play-by-play. -play. Hey, Putin is marshalling people here. They're doing this. They're doing that. But what we didn't do is really listen for the people who have access. And what are the small changes to their discussion points, right? What are representatives who uh, serve in Intel, uh, on the Intel committees and things like that? What are they saying? How are they changing their, their discussion points? The one thing we know is that Putin is competent. He knows how to play the game, right? He may be a horrible person and he may be... Uh, uh, squelching freedom and crushing the Ukraine people, but he knows how to play the games. He grew up as a KGB agent in the USSR, right? That's what he wants to do is re-exert dominance over Europe. Uh, he's not going to project what he does. You know, one of the major faults we had in Afghanistan is that we gave play-by-play -play -play of what we were doing, right? We told the enemies, we told our allies, everyone, hey, guys, no, really, we're leaving. When we say we're leaving, we're 
just picking up high and dry, leaving our allies behind. We're abandoning vehicles, equipment, money. And uh, wow, shocking. The whole thing unfolded in our enemies and the Taliban and everybody else in that region uh, folded on us like we expected they would. Anybody who had fought in that country knows better. But we also know that Putin isn't going to project his actual plans in the world stage. He's smarter than that. And he saw that play out. Would you agree, Todd? Uh Completely. I mean, he's a very smooth operator. I do believe that there is a, uh, you know, China and Russia have a historical somewhat animosity going way back. I think if we were smart, we would try to play to that historical mistrust, uh, but we have not. And um, again, I don't think, I don't think Biden is working for the national security of the United States. I think he has other agendas and is working for someone else along with the whole group around him. I think this is Obama's third term. You know, we were talking about Iran before this, um, you know, so he's cutting off Russian oil, but opening the taps for Iran. I mean, what kind of sense does that make uh, to enable a global terror once again? Um, so that, that's right. It's a series of bad choices, no matter what. Right. Mm -hmm. And rather than taking the hard step back and realizing we can be energy independent and chart our own course, we continue to fall back and buy oil from people who have uh, financed uh, the people who killed our, our service member, who have attacked mm -hmm. our freedom, who attacked civil liberties and freedoms across the world. Right. We need to make better choices. This yeah. approach matters and it, it's a failure point. But I love what you said a minute ago. 2022 is coming up. These midterm mm -hmm. elections are so extremely important. If mm -hmm. we don't take back the House, we don't bring back the Senate. Guys, we're at a tipping point internationally and in our country, right? We have to right the ship. So, so let me ask you about this, Jay. You're, um, if my memory serves me right, the Florida primary is August 23rd or the latter part of, of uh, That's right. August. And what are you hearing on the ground campaigning? And how, how tell us, first of all, how is your campaign going? Because I know that you've, you've been fortunate in out raising, you know, one of your opponents. So on the other side of the tick, if you still have to get through the primary. But, but tell, right. us, tell us, you know, what you're hearing on the ground in terms of everything that's going on. Not not just the COVID, but the, this whole Russian-Ukraine in the last, you know, seven, eight days. And do people connect it to 2014? As Todd owns this story because he's been reporting from Ukraine and he knows Russia backwards and forwards. Mm -hmm. And he's been reporting about it since 2014 when it really began. Mm -hmm. Although in the mainstream media in the States, you'll have it, people will, you know, have across the bottom of the screen, you know, seven days in, six days in, when in fact they're missing the point that this is eight years of age. But are, are the people that you're talking to in your congressional district, do they understand the, the facts about this scenario? So uh, I'm going to go back to the kind of the ideology, uh, the, the first couple of things you said here. Uh, our campaign is doing very, very well, Christine. We are very blessed, right? Uh, we have out fundraised our Democratic incumbent uh, person we're, we're running against in Kathy Castor, uh, both quarters. Uh, Lord willing, we'll do the same thing again this quarter. We're on pace to uh, uh, really put up some remarkable numbers. And just late last week, we were selected to be a part of the NRCC Young Guns program, uh, making this race and this my campaign uh, both targeted nationally so we are extremely grateful for the outpouring of support uh both locally and nationally and in the end uh i think what you're seeing is a referendum on failed policy uh even democrats didn't vote for socialism right when they see how hard the left is pushing to change the tenor and approach of our nation they're pushing back i mean look what happened in virginia and new jersey 
I mean, what a complete indictment. Those are D plus eternities. And you saw some significant shifts towards conservative values and conservative thought process in those states. So uh, back to your second question, do the people understand what's going on? They do. But I will tell you, people are concerned about what's going on right here at home as well. Inflation is up significantly. Fuel cost is up 100%. Food cost is up on average of 25 to 30%. Uh, we keep talking about how many jobs we're creating. What we're not talking about is, yes, great, maybe you create jobs, but how, many, how long are people staying in those and how much are they actually buying? I know that uh, everybody I speak to is concerned, right? They're wondering how much higher is inflation going to go? When is that going to stop? And then we talk about the, the security and safety of our own country. What are we doing with our border, the interior, our police, the lawlessness? Those are all talking points that we have to address as a nation. And then when you couple that with all these, uh, these metrics and the fact that our dollar is not going far, people are very, very wary. And when you hear Biden come out in a State of the Union address, this ridiculous rosy picture about how they're glad handing everything, they know it's hollow promises. You know, you're going to see a shift in our politics and we are going to take back the House. I fully uh, expect that. But it's going to be something pretty significant. America is ready to bring this thing back midline. Think Reagan, Tip O'Neill, right? When America was at its greatest, uh, the people across this country have more in common than that which divides us. And I know you've heard me say it, Christine. Uh, people will tell you we're a nation divided, but we're not. We're a nation that the left is desperately trying to divide because they can jam those far left socialist thought processes down our throats. Because when we're focused on fighting each other, we're not really paying attention to the actual problem, the changes that they're trying to push to systematically change us from a government of the people, by the people and for the people to one that's dependent on the government for life. And that never works out well. Do you think do you, do you think the gubernatorial race is, is going to help the the downstream and the ticket and and, and, uh, and is the is the local uh, upset that we see all over the country is that going to help you guys on on the the state level in the congressional seats? It, it is, yeah. For the, the this U.S. seat, uh, absolutely. DeSantis is loved. I, I think if you look across all fifty states, Florida has been leading the way. We are blessed to have a lot of really strong conservative leaders who have spoken their piece. Florida is a free state. We've been open for, for business for a long time. And the fact that, you know, hundreds and thousands of people are moving here every single day, it, it, it paints that picture, right? People love what we're talking about. And uh, you're going to see Governor, Governor DeSantis uh, win his seat again. And I think you're going to see uh, uh, a ton of seats come back. You know, we also have redistricting coming uh, through uh, the state of Florida. And you know, obviously, I have no say in that. It's going to play out how it plays out. But uh, there's some some real good possibilities there. And, uh, you know, hopefully we have some results pushed back uh, here in the next few weeks. But regardless, I think anything D10 and below is up for grabs, just like you saw in Virginia and New York. Uh, the American people are ready for conservative values. And I want to make a point. What you and I talk about as conservative values are really the American values we were all raised with, right? Mm -hmm. We lost sight of that. Uh, that's that's my thoughts, Todd. What do you? Well, think? I, I wasn't I wasn't raised on woke. That's for certain. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know. No, it comes of course. I think. Go ahead. No, Sorry, just, you're right. I mean, I, I think there's going to be a massive wave just because I think the public's fed up. Uh, but we have to continue to get people energized at the local level. 
and to get involved from their school board to their Republican committee to, you know, whatever church, whatever they have to get involved and get off the golf course and, uh, you know, work for your grandchildren. This is what everyone has to do, in my opinion. Todd, yeah, you actually hit my my main reason. People ask me, mm -hmm. like, you, you seem like a legitimately somewhat sane person, right? You spent 23 years in the military. Mm -hmm. You came back mm -hmm. and requalified after losing your leg as a Green mm -hmm. Beret. So, you mm -hmm. know, you, you know how to overcome and work. Like, why on earth are you running for Congress? I have a six and a nine-year-old, man. We can't mm -hmm. push today's problems off to our children. If we don't solve these now, how much worse are they going to be? My children deserve the same freedoms that we grew up with and so much more. And it's our turn. It's our time to stand up and push back on this, right? We have to make sure that this nation remains the republic that we all we all love and we all, all believe in. Unfortunately, we were asleep for a few decades, but hopefully the mask is off and people see that. And we have to, uh, you know, really make fundamental change back the other way. You're right. And Todd, I love what you said. We have to get involved in all these local races. You know, there's a significant amount of yeah. uh, races across the state of Florida and across the, the country where there isn't even a conservative candidate. Right. They're just mailing those in and giving those seats to the Democrats man, we have to take back the school board, city council, all of these state races. Every single race matters. If we don't have a conservative voice there, then it's an echo chamber of far left liberal nonsense. And the American people don't believe in that. But in the end, if that's all there is, you have a choice of one, right? That's not what our, our country is based on. So when, when they do the redistricting down there, where is Hillsborough going to be? Because for decades I've watched Hillsborough because it's one of those barometer counties. Is that going to be half in your district or outside your district? Where is that going to be? So we really don't know yet. There's several different models out there. What I will say is this, uh, the very worst it could be is where it's at. And we can flip this seat right now. Because in the end, Kathy Castor votes 100% of the time with Pelosi, 97% of the time with AOC. And she has to own her voting record. She hasn't done a lot for the people of Hillsborough County, let alone uh, serving conservative American values, which you see people are starting to stand up for. Because Todd, to your point, yeah, the, the blinders are off. The silent majority is not silent anymore. And we have found our voice. People are coming out by droves, right? To say, hey, I'm not okay with this. This course has to be corrected and I will do what I have to do. It's our time. So privately, Jay, when you're out on the road, and I've always asked, you know, politicians running for office, you know, this is going back decades. When they're when they're out there among the people privately, people come up to you privately. What are you hearing? Because that's important for people to understand where the trends are going and what's important, what the issues are locally. What, what are you hearing for these people? So, you know, it, it's the big things. People are concerned about the national ticket items, you know, as a state. We're, we're full up on freedom in Florida compared to many, right? We're very, very blessed. I, I am so thankful. Uh, my, my kids both have DeSantis t-shirts. They have posters signed by him and his wife in their rooms. And we are just so thankful for his leadership in this state. But it's the big ticket items, right? If we don't push back against the problems nationally, that, that's knocking on our doorstep. If DeSantis, who barely won his first term, had lost, we would be just like New York, just like North Carolina, all these states, you know, locked up, businesses failing, masked. Um, and I, I say this as a, as a father of a, an autistic child who's also gifted. He couldn't have thrived in any other state. Having the freedom for him to be who he was and learn in school, free of masks, 
gave him the opportunity to grow and develop. And that's what matters. People want their families to be happy and healthy. They want their children to have a better shot at life. And if we don't get the government out of the way and project the power back to the American people, and this is something everybody's talking about, we've already lost it, right? It is of the people, by the people, and for the people. I keep saying these same points because it's what people keep bringing up. We don't need a ruling class. We need American people involved in helping make these decisions. Because in the end, in a republic, we're protected from the minority and the majority, but we're protected solely from the government, first and foremost, right? We have the power in a republic. And you see the Biden administration trying so hard to push that executive influence and take that power away from the American people. Uh, none of us want to sit there and just accept the meager yield of, of government existence. Look at, uh, look at China. Look at Cuba, look at Venezuela, and none of that ever turns out well. So as a father of an autistic child yep. living in Florida and being grateful that you're in Florida and running for Congress now, we have interviewed, as you well know, a lot of vax injured people for, you know, uh, almost a year now. Um, and, and also whistleblowers inside the farmer companies. Where do you stand on the medical freedom? Have you, have you spoken out about that on the ground? Yeah. So look, immunizations, it's a personal choice, right? Period. There should be no government mandates. This is up to each person. If you want to get the immunization, that is up to you. But I would encourage everyone to look out there, figure out what's going on and make a decision that's good for you and your family. Personally, uh, we wouldn't, we have not vaccinated our children. We refuse to. Uh, mm -hmm. I want more longitudinal studies to make sure that this thing is, is what some people want to tell you and not what others have brought up, right? Uh, mm -hmm. It's our choice. It's our freedoms. And thank God that we live in a state that allows that and in a country that uh, has, you know, still allowed our state to make those decisions. I will not vaccinate our, our children uh, at this point for that. Uh, we've taken every other vaccine. We are not generally anti-vax, but we do this in a moderated fashion. And that's my personal choice. And mm -hmm. that's what's important. As the, as the papa bear and the mama bear of the two children, of course, that makes That's sense. right, man. Parents matter. Don't sit there and tell me how to raise my children. We know what's best for our kids. You, you know, Todd, what, do you, what are your thoughts? you agree? Oh, completely. Um, the, the government has no business in our education, and that's another area that has to be uh, completely uh, taken back. Uh, there's a lot of lawsuits and other strategies being formulated to go after the boards of education, as in personally suing them or filing criminal charges for their behavior and what they're doing in these in these school districts. So I've been fairly involved in that already. So no, that's a huge area that people simply have to get involved with, no matter uh, you know what your schedule is. You need to find time and do it. Well, that's right. That's right. So I want to ask both of you because you both have military <clears throat> backgrounds. Um, Jay, you were in South America, Iraq, Afghanistan. Todd, you, you were uh, here in the States based out of Alaska in the Air Force and also um, in the Middle East. From your perspective and experience, what is the next pivotal point that, we, that the public should be looking for in terms of a shift in the paradigm or the acceleration of this Russian-Ukraine situation? Jay, you want to go first? Uh, actually, I want to hear what Todd has to say on this. I'm, I'm curious. Well, I, I mentioned this earlier, but I think the no-fly zone is a, is a big problem. Um, and that means committing U.S. forces into against indirect combat against Russian units. So that, to me, is a red line. I, 
you know, I have a lot of sympathy for the Ukrainian people. I, I've spent a lot of time there. I know them well, but I don't want to see American troops involved in Ukraine. I, I would much rather see them at the southern border or looking to deter China. Um, I'm not that uh, you know, why is it Germany needs to spend some money and send some troops and, and Europe needs to get involved and NATO can get involved, but it's not a NATO, it's not a U.S. only problem where we have to solve this. We just don't have the resources, in my opinion. That yeah, may be sound harsh to some people, but that, that's the reality. Yeah, Todd, I, I agree. Look, you know, my biggest problem is that going into this, uh, mm -hmm. let, let's look at this from, uh, let's use the analogy of, of poker, right? We're playing mm -hmm. international poker, right? Five card stud. And we left two cards on the table and we're playing with three cards against five. Statistically, mm -hmm. when you leave your two highest cards on the table and you take certain aspects uh, from the negotiation table, it, it's hard to hold a, power, a position of power, right? Mm -hmm. That's really what I meant. And we, we can't let the Kremlin dictate power internationally and, and be the, the, the leaders mm -hmm. in that, right? We allowed them to push and do whatever they want. And we came out and said, hey, look. You know, we're, we're not going to commit troops. We're not going to do this internationally. And mm -hmm. I, I agree mm -hmm. with you. I don't want the U.S. to be the world police. I, I fought many, many years in the military and I've lost a lot of friends. And I do agree mm -hmm. we need to take care of uh, our own uh, responsibilities in our nation. First and foremost, we have enough problems we need to solve. But in the end, you know, we also have to leave those cards on the table. You know, again, think TR. I agree. Right? Sure. You know, this has been caused because, again, in, in Afghanistan, what do we do? We ask the Taliban for permission to evacuate our people. I mean, are you kidding me? Guys, we're the United States of America. We're the most powerful nation on this planet. We're going to get our people out. We don't leave people behind. And we broadcast that weakness and really went against American values when we did that. And the world saw that. And then in this whole negotiation, we did it backwards. Rather than saying, what are you doing, Putin? Stop. We mean business. You're going to do mm -hmm. this. Come to the table. Uh, we're going to talk in terms that you understand uh, because that's what they are. Putin and his thugs are pushing back. And, they're, you know, you have to have empathy for the people of Ukraine. And, you know, I want to give a shout out to uh, the, the modern day Winston Churchill, right, who's leading his people from the ground. And I think you're seeing what executive leadership is about, right? Zelensky's uh, impressive. He's he because he, he talks in plain man's uh, vernacular. He's not he's not even in his address to, to the EU. We're not going away. We're going to stay. He's not leaving. Not he doesn't need a he doesn't need a ride. He needs armament. Well, He's that's very, right. And it was it was such a great thing to say that I am here with my people. I am standing by them. And the fact that you see Miss Ukraine, uh, retired athletes, uh, members of Congress, their their leadership, right, all out there fighting beside the common people, it's a blessing, right? That's what's great. It's good to see that. But what are the next steps? You know, Russia can't sustain this, right? They're a bit of a paper tiger. If this thing continues to go on, I, I think you're going to see this thing shift a little bit. And you already see them stalling out. That's why they're pushing so, so hard. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Todd? I know you study this extensively. He, Todd just came back. Well, I, I don't. Days over there, too. I don't know if you knew that, Jay. He was on the ground. Yeah, he was. I think that what needs to happen is a negotiated settlement. I've written a lot and talked a lot and reported a lot about the state capture of the Soros network in Ukraine. The government, for the most part, is captured by the globalist agenda. It's a it's an, a playground for money laundering, for human trafficking, for information operations against the United States. 
if you can't do it in country in the U.S., you do it there in Ukraine. It's no secret. It's it's no um, surprise that all roads lead back to Ukraine for a lot of this stuff that's been going on in our government. So I think that all needs to be cleaned up. I'm not sure how to do that. Uh, I think we'll need a new regime in the White House, a new government to do that. Uh, I think Russian troops need to leave. I think Putin's looking for an off-ramp. I don't think he has the force structure. He has a huge army in country, but he can't project power and he can't sustain it. So this is the problem he's in. And I think we need to find some kind of settlement so that Ukraine can be neutral. I have no problem with uh, them not being part of NATO. I don't think that's in our country's best interest, uh, pushing NATO to Russia's borders. I think that causes too many problems that it solves. We already have an, an alliance. Uh, the people, Some of the people who have entered the alliance recently, especially in the Balkans, are questionable. And so I think that uh, from a you know value standpoint, look at Turkey, we've got problems with them. So I, I, you know, I think we heed George Washington's old you know, adage, don't get involved in foreign alliances too much, because that leads to war. And I think you're seeing exactly that right now. So uh, I hope for a negotiated settlement that Ukrainian people, whom I love, will, will recover. And they're very talented if they can you know, get, get these forces out of their way on both sides. That's my yeah. thought. I think that's very well said, Todd. And, uh, you know, I, I think many people agree with you in general, right? This doesn't have to be our fight. You, you talked about the no-fly zone prior to kind of timing out and why you thought that was a misstep. And uh, from there, I had talked about, look, we had to leave all the cards on the table. I think mm -hmm. Biden hit that gas pedal a little bit too quick. I think mm -hmm. that that had to be on the table. But I think going from zero to about 75 probably wasn't the right approach yet, right? There were steps we needed to take. Uh, and, you know, frankly, again, if we had been on top of uh, sanctions that mattered uh, early on and then having all of this on the table, the fact is probably none of this happens. Russia doesn't roll in there because in the end, they, they do fear what the United States is capable of, right? But we're not... Go ahead, Christina. See you. I was just going to say, you know, you know what what bothers me is that I keep on hearing these reports that Putin is speaking to Macron in France, and I still can't figure out why Biden didn't pick up the phone and call Putin directly, and leave it to the it, it, he left it to the underlings instead of picking up the phone. My, you know, I'm not a psychoanalyst, but I mean my observations about Putin. He wants to be acknowledged. He wants to be part of, you know, the leadership in the world. And if it, if it took a phone call, if it took a phone call to bring him to the table, why wasn't that done before he made Well, look at this. is This is Obama's third term. Do you remember what Obama said towards Putin during his term that he's like a, you know, little kid in the corner who slouches and and you know, made all these really disrespectful statements. I, I right. just think that's stupid to talk to a nuclear power that way. Uh, and I don't think it's, you know, what did Trump do? He went to Kim Jong-il and looked him in, you know, kind of mano to mano and said, you're not gonna do this, you know? And, and so I think that, I think we're having Obama's third term right now because Obama, what he, he doesn't wanna give Putin respect. I don't know what's behind that. Well, it's almost like the cancel culture on steroids in, at the diplomatic level. It's so childish when you're talking about somebody who's got the button. I mean, this has to be this has to be eye level. It has to be mature. And I don't see any. I mean, if it, if it took a phone call 
And I'm not saying that the phone call, you know, nothing would have happened. But if you have the respect that you're dealing with somebody, whether you like them, love them or, or don't respect them, at least you make the phone call. I just have a tendency to believe that the U.S., uh, the Biden administration's response to this, knowing was coming, now knowing that they gave the intel to China and China let Putin know that the U.S. knew but we didn't. But the Biden administration didn't pick up the phone. Right. It's stupid diplomacy. Well, and, you know, Todd, I think you, you, it is stupid diplomacy. Right. And it's it's not working for the will of the good of our nation. It's not working for the good of anybody, frankly. Of humanity. Yes. Yeah. It's I not. mean, it's just it's backwards. Uh, you made a good point, though. Right. In international business, in combat, uh, you know, combat operations or in just military negotiations, you don't project weakness, but you also don't uh, snipe from the side, right? And make passive aggressive comments. That doesn't work, right? Mm -hmm. Putin is the leader of a country, a nuclear country, right? And they are a player on the world stage, whether we want them to be or not, they have a voice, they exist. And he is a former KGB agent. He does want to be acknowledged. And you mm -hmm. don't go in there and disrespect your enemy, right? Uh, understand your enemy, know your enemy, show him the respect he's due and then outwork him. You know, uh, there was a gif I saw of uh, Trump shaking hands with Putin, right? Welcoming him and then dragging him into him, right? It's those subtleties that matter. But you have to project power, both in your face-to-face -face negotiations and conversations, how you talk to them internationally in the media, and then most certainly how you talk to them from a diplomatic standpoint. And we failed in all three of those. That's true. And that goes back, that goes back to your statement that you that you want to I have to pull out my notes again so I get it right. You wanted to uh, the patriotism, the valor, and the strength. That's right. That, it, that you know, you're running on for your campaign. Well, the world remembers what the our our country is about, what the United States is about, right? We have to remember that. We have to project that as a country. 2022 is a tipping point. We have got to take this back. You know, hook, line, or sinker. However, we do this, hell or high water. This is the tipping point. We have to push back against this agenda uh, because it is it's it's Obama, it's Biden. It's the same far left rhetoric that's been being pushed so hard for so long. And if we don't stop it now, how much further is it going to go? I don't well, want to run up in a gulag. And on that note, and, and I'll just say this, I think that people need to start talking about the Treaty of Westphalia and understand the significance. It's not just the Magna Carta that we are, should all be grateful for. We should be grateful for the Treaty of Westphalia because if you do not have a secure nation, you lose your culture, you lose your history, you get canceled. And I think that's really important going down the line. Jay, thank you. Uh, please keep in touch. We're going to be talking to and following you through 2022. And congratulations on your uh, game on the ground in terms of raising the money and, and making progress. We'll thank you so much, Christine. Todd, great to see you. And uh, we're blessed. You know, uh, I, th I like to say we're just kind of the uh, the public mouthpiece of the will of the American people because they believe in what we stand for as a nation. And uh, Lord willing, in 2022, we'll take back this seat, the House, and uh, get our country back on the right path. But thank you and God bless you all.